leading a startup team, whether you're delivering a sugar rush, stocking coffee, or getting a regular delivery of snacks, Office Depot has solutions that fit every startup culture, from getting those first business cards and stationery to ordering fleece pullovers with your new logo. To learn how Office Depot and the California Technology Council have partnered to bring you savings on all of these startup essentials and more, go to californiatechnology.org forward slash member benefits. I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Cytodyne's lead candidate for HIV is part of a new class of therapies that work by protecting healthy cells by blocking viral infection. But the receptor that the drug targets also plays a role in cancer metastases and may provide a new approach to treating a wide range of cancers. We spoke to Richard Pastel, chief medical officer of Cytodyne, about the drug how it works, and why it may have value in a range of serious medical conditions. Richard, thanks for joining us. Uh, Danny, it's a pleasure. We're going to talk about cytodyne, HIV, and cancer. Cytodyne is developing a, a monoclonal antibody for the treatment of HIV. Let's start with the treatment of HIV today. The development of new therapies for HIV don't generate as much attention as they once did. How good an arsenal do we have in place to to treat the disease? Well, Danny, look, I think that the medications that are in place at the moment are very effective. Um, people don't feel very well while they're taking them. They don't feel their full strength. So they don't feel their real sense of well-being and the other problem is that there's a lot of tablets to take and you've got to remember to take them every day and if the medications aren't taken every day uh, resistance to the virus can can grow up the other issue is that even when people do keep to their medications take them every day as they should resistance to the virus uh, does turn up and it's really this marketplace with patients who've been resistant uh, to the current therapies that Pro140 or Laronlimab has its uh, main purpose. And it seems that from what's taken place to date, people who take Laronlimab, which is a, a once-weekly injection, subcutaneous injection, much like people taking insulin for diabetes, um, they feel good. Um, people who stop taking their previous medications realize that, in fact, the medications were reducing the quality of life that they were experiencing. And so a lot of patients who've, who've tried the, uh, the monotherapy or have used Laronlimab want to continue taking that medication once they've experienced it. So in summary, yes, many of the patients are well managed now with current tablets, but there's resistance that can appear and there is an improved quality of life in people who switch to Laronlimab. 
and that's really the uh, the opportunity that I believe uh, Cytodyne has been pursuing. Um, I would emphasise there's two unique features that I was uh, drawn to. Uh, one is the lack of serious adverse events. This is a this is an antibody where there have been no serious adverse events re reported to date, and it's pretty unusual uh, in my experience. The, the second is it's highly effective, highly effective at the, at the higher dose of 700 milligrams of uh, restraining the viral load, highly effective at restraining the viral load. So those are the two outstanding and unique features of this lorolimab or Pro140. And is the expectation that it would be used as a monotherapy? Um, yes, I think that certainly um, the way it's looking now, a, a very likely outcome. And uh, it may well be a preference that patients, uh, you know, they'll vote with their feet, I'm, I'm guessing, based on uh, what we've seen to date. Cytodyne is in advanced development of the drug today. It's an anti-CCR5 monoclonal antibody for the treatment of HIV. What exactly is Pro140 and, and how does it work? Um, Danny, there's a, there's a receptor uh, on the surface of immune cells, a subset of what are called T cells. And the HIV virus uses this receptor to enter into, into, enter into the cell. And once it's inside the, the, this particular immune cell, uh, it can proliferate undetected. And uh, as the virus grows up, um, it's, it's able to, to multiply and, uh, and make the patient subsequently quite sick. Um, this is a, um, they're a family of receptors, but why CCR5 of all the different CCRs is chosen is really, it's not known, but it's certainly an important co-receptor for the entry of the HIV virus into these uh, immune cells. The, the curious thing that we found um, you know, less than 10 years ago now is that unlike what we were taught in medical school, that CCR5 is just expressed on the immune cells, it turns out that when a cell becomes cancerous, it turns on CCR5 also. So a normal breast cell, a normal prostate cell, a normal um, colon cell, doesn't express CCR5. But what we found is as the cell becomes cancerous, it turns on that same receptor. And when it turns on that receptor, the cell can metastasize and spread throughout the body. So a very, very surprising finding, um, but certainly uh, you know, patented and uh, a tremendous opportunity for, for patients with cancer because it is the spread of cancer that kills, kills patients. I want to return to that thought, but before we speak about cancer, is this a mechanism that's applicable to all HIV patients or, or just a subset? Um, well, I'm, I'm certainly not an HIV expert. Um, my, my training has been in, in oncology and cancer and, and endocrinology, uh, but it's my understanding that HIV uses CCR5 uh, as, a, as, as a, an essential co-receptor for entry. Um, I'm familiar with a particular, um, there is a genetic abnormality, Danny, in which patients can um, have a defective uh, CCR5. So they're genetically defective CCR5. And those patients are resistant to HIV infection. Um, and it's so-called Delta 32 mutation, or it's an alternate form of the, of the receptor. 
So yes, it, it, it's my understanding that this receptor is an essential co-receptor for HIV virus entry. Patients who don't have the receptor are resistant. Is this a, a unique mechanism of action within the arsenal of drugs available today to treat HIV? Um, so, so the you know two types of assets uh, typically are small molecule inhibitors to, to block receptors and uh, antibody-based uh, therapy approaches. And uh, you know small molecule inhibitors um, have advanced tremendously uh, in targeting the the receptor on the surface of the cell. There are other ways of uh, targeting the HIV infection, uh, including mechanisms involved in replication of the virus and essential enzymes the virus use, integrase and inhibitors and so forth. But in terms of targeting the receptor on the surface of the cell, the two approaches that are, uh, have shown to be effective are antibodies which target the receptor and small molecule inhibitors that, that block the receptor activity. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we're not we're not perfect at designing small molecule inhibitors, and so there sometimes are these off-target effects of some of these other types of molecules that are used to block CCR5. So um, some of these other drugs that are, are targeting the receptor, Maraviroc, uh, Vicroviroc, um, that were initially uh, used in the marketplace. Um, the uh, Maraviroc, for example, does, does have a, uh, a black label warning because of the, the serious adverse events associated with the, uh, with the compound, in part because it's not as selective as it could be. And, and we believe that the reason why the Laronlimab has such a great safety profile uh, is because it's very, very specific in its targeting. You're hoping to begin a rolling application for approval of the drug in the first quarter of 2019. What do we know about it from studies to date? Uh, Danny, the uh, combination phase three pivotal study has been completed. The study met its primary endpoints and uh, appears to have met its uh, safety endpoints. So as a function of that, the company has been substantially de-risked and the company is moving forward with generating a sufficient antibody for further use. Is there any indication that the drug interferes with the normal functioning of the immune system? Um, well, you know, the good, the good news is you can, you can live without CCR5. Um, so the, the blocking of the, the CCR5, as far as we know, using this antibody, uh, does not compromise the immune system. Um, you know, historically, uh, people who have uh, defective or no functional CCR5 um, actually grew, grew up in, uh, you know, the, the area where the Vikings lived um, and in parts of Eastern Europe because they were resistant to plague. So that's bubonic plague. So people without the receptor have a, to the best of uh, you know, our determination, have a normal, normal immune function. Because the drug acts on this receptor, it has the potential to be useful in a number of indications. You mentioned cancer earlier. Let's start there. What's its potential as a cancer therapy? Well, I think, um, Danny, if I can just uh, share with you the idea here that, um, that the, the idea with cancer uh, and, and how cancer works uh, has changed quite a lot in the last few years. 
So in the past, we used to think about the, the, the solid tumour, you know, the breast cancer, the, the prostate cancer, the primary tumour. But now we understand that whether it's breast cancer, prostate cancer, colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, there's a solid primary tumour, but at the same time there are what we call circulating tumour cells. So the tumour itself is shedding into the bloodstream and these tumour cells then spread to different parts of the body and it's those metastases that ultimately kill patients. Now, if you, if you do this uh, thought experiment, there was a time where we, we knew that diabetes, for example, um, is the primary, you know, primary problem with, with diabetes. The pancreas is not making enough insulin, but it's the blood levels of glucose that kill the patients with diabetes. And so now we naturally accept that um, the way we manage diabetes is to manage the blood levels of glucose so that a patient's you know, eyes are preserved and kidney function are preserved. We don't think about fixing the pancreas so much and for most patients. Similarly, the thinking around cancer has started to evolve where we're focusing now more on what kills the patient, the circulating tumour cells in the bloodstream. And so we've been developing technologies. We and many other laboratories have developed technologies to measure very accurately these circulating tumour cells and in fact to monitor those circulating tumour cells as part of the therapy. So in fact the clinical trial that we're currently uh, developing will be monitoring the circulating tumour cells in patients with breast cancer who are being treated with lamab. So the thinking has changed from uh, blasting the primary tumour with chemotherapy radiation and other types of drugs to a new approach which is focusing on um, reducing the circulating tumour cells. In addition, we're looking at augmenting the body's normal anti-tumour immune response. So there's evidence that CCR5 inhibitors have two effects. One is to block the homing, the metastases, and the second is to augment the body's anti-tumour immune response. How does that augment the body's anti-tumor response if, in essence, you're inhibiting part of the immune system? Yes, so, so the immune system has uh, different components um, and some of those immune cells are suppressing the tumor and some are promoting the tumor's activity. And it's the balance of these different components of the immune system that are very important in the uh, the body's fight against uh, the tumour. And so drugs have been developed um, which are currently being tested in a variety of uh, cancers um, to augment the body's anti-tumour immune response. And these so-called uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors are now um, a uh, particularly uh, good opportunity to eradicate a patient's cancer. But Danny, your question was how could lamab change the management of cancer as a disease? And the way it could potentially change the management of cancer as a disease would be in, in, similar, in the same way that uh, insulin has changed the management of patients with diabetes. So rather than treating the, the primary source of the problem, the pancreas, patients take uh, insulin shots to manage the abnormal blood glucose. We're perceiving a, a change in in management of the disease where a patient may be managed for their metastases using weekly injections of lamab to, to restrain the metastases in the bloodstream. 
So this is a, a conceptual change which we, which we hope will be effective in, in managing cancer moving forward. Um, this will be um, wonderful for patients because loronlimab does not have serious adverse events associated with it. Uh, in contrast to the, the conventional therapies we use, chemotherapy and radiation, um, which are associated with uh, substantial systemic uh, side effects. Is the expectation that the drug would be used in combination with immunotherapies? Um, yes, absolutely, Danny. And in fact, just to give you a sense of what a revolution is taking place right now, uh, if, you, if you look back 10 years ago, there was no consideration in the cancer marketplace for using CCR5 inhibitors. Um, just within the last three months, Merck and Pfizer have both opened uh, clinical trials targeting CCR5 with a combination of CCR5 inhibitors and checkpoint inhibitors in colon cancer. So absolutely, um, we believe that uh, the combination of loronlimab and a uh, checkpoint inhibitor uh, would be a valuable uh, new approach to, to the management uh, of cancer. And why are you initially exploring triple negative breast cancer? Danny, the, the reason we're focusing initially on triple negative breast cancer is that we conducted an analysis of 2,200 patients with breast cancer. And we classified those patients based on their, the genes in their cancer into the different types of breast cancer. And we found that the patients who are so-called triple negative breast cancer were nearly all positive for CCR5. So although they were negative for HER2, negative for the estrogen receptor, negative for the progesterone receptor, they were strongly positive for CCR5. Many of these women are African-American or Ashkenazi Jewish in background, and these particular tumors have a very poor prognosis. So we've focused in our uh, first study on the triple negative breast cancer patients. Um, we have uh, almost completed the protocol with the intent of moving expeditiously uh, with this clinical trial. And it's particularly important because the prognosis uh, for these women is so poor and there are currently no targeted therapies attacking a, a specific molecular target driving this particular cancer. What other indications might you pursue with this? Danny, it's exciting because many different types of cancers express CCR5. Um, we have found that CCR5 is expressed on prostate cancer, colon cancer, pancreatic cancer, melanoma, a variety of other types of cancers. And, and furthermore, it's turned on in expression by uh, some of the current chemotherapies that are, that are in use. So the, the uh, number of different types of cancers is substantial and furthermore the proportion of patients who overexpress CCR5 in their tumours is substantial. We found almost 50% of women overexpress CCR5 in their cancer. How about beyond cancer? Does this have implications in autoimmune or other diseases? Danny, you know, this is... Uh, one of the, one of the uh, wonderful challenges uh, for cytodyne to have uh, is that there is good evidence that CCR5 may play a role in several other diseases. The one, one particular disease is called graft-versus-host disease. Um, this is a, a disease which uh, is 
affecting a subset of patients who undergo bone marrow transplantation. Uh, it can be a deadly disease. It typically starts off by targeting the gastrointestinal tract, but um, it looks like from what we, what we know so far, and certainly the preclinical studies in a mouse model of graft-versus-host disease, that PRO140 lironlimab dramatically improved the outcome of the animals that had graft-versus-host disease. And that's the basis of a uh, phase, an expedited phase two study that's currently underway. There are other indications for lironlimab. Uh, one of these, um, you know, I give lectures to, to medical students and we talk about the uh, epidemic of liver cancer that's occurring. Um, and part of the cause of liver cancer in the US is the, uh, a disease called NASH. And this is a type of fatty infiltration in the liver, which then causes destruction of the liver. Uh, it's partly related to, to diet uh, and the type of diet and the, and the amount of uh, calories and fat in the diet. Nonetheless, this disease, NASH, uh, predisposes to cancer and, and is a deadly disease. Uh, there are now significant studies demonstrating the importance of CCR5, the target of filaronlimab, in driving this disease, NASH. The last, um, the last interesting finding is that the current long-term data looking at the effects of CCR5 inhibitors in patients with HIV suggests that patients who've been treated with CCR5 inhibitors have less osteoporosis. Furthermore, in a mouse model where the CCR5 was knocked out, uh, there was evidence that CCR5 plays a role in the osteoclasts and their function, which is important in normal bone homeostasis. So, so Danny, to answer your question, yes, there are several other important diseases beyond cancer. And they include NASH uh, and, and osteoporosis and graft-versus-host disease. Those are some big and important markets. Given all the opportunities you have, how does a small company prioritize given its limited resources and is there a plan to use partnerships to leverage the opportunities? Um, Danny, absolutely. Um, you know, a, a company must understand the size of the market and must understand how to form uh, relationships in order to move the, the product to market uh, most time efficiently, both for financial reasons but also because of the potential impact on the quality of life of, of people. Um, there are a couple of types of strategies that are being pursued in the cancer area. Um, in that regard, we've found that CCR5 inhibitors substantially enhance the efficacy of cell killing by a, a number of uh, other uh, targeted therapies that are currently in the marketplace. So one strategy in the uh, cancer area is to form these uh, collaborative relationships with companies that sell, sell those particular drugs. In, in terms of uh, financing for cytodyne, non-dilutive financing, uh, one of the areas that we have focused on in the immediate term are the uh, commercialization of a prognostic test for prostate cancer. One of the assets acquired by cytodyne 
from Prostagene is a prostate cancer prognostic test. Um, it uses a new type of technology called NanoString. There have been three uh, retrospective clinical studies and if one looks at each of those three clinical studies, the prognostic test for prostate cancer is far superior to the incumbent tests in the marketplace. Now, there are about 250,000 men each year who are in need of such a test um, and certainly the uh, current data suggesting a substantially uh, better predictive value so-called hazards ratio um, suggested this test once commercialized may be implemented uh, effectively by demand from clinicians and patients alike and we would very much like to get this test into the marketplace to allow patients to make better decisions around their prostate cancer management so yes the the uh, prostate cancer test being developed by cytodyne now is an ex one example of you know, non-dilutive funding that uh, we're currently focused on in the near term. But the big picture, Danny, is as you say, there are a number of different types of opportunities and the strategic imperatives of Cytodyne have focused on a, a stepwise process identifying uh, new non-dilutive revenue streams from commercialising uh, both through licensing agreements and commercialization of this prognostic test while we continue work in the clinical trial space, in particular the next uh, being the rolling BLA for HIV. Richard Pistel, Chief Medical Officer of Cytodyne. Richard, thanks so much for your time today. Danny, thank you so much for your time. It was a real pleasure. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.